This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. If you can't get people to follow you because of who you are and who they see you to be and trust you to be, you're just not going to be very effective in leadership. That's Ron Edmondson, senior pastor and author of the new book, The Mythical Leader. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is Larry Gates. And I'm Armin with Armin Asadi. Well, there you go. I'm with Armin Asadi. And every day and in every way, we're getting better and better as the. <laughs> as, as the line from Pink Panther goes. <laughs> but we want to do put our faith to work and we want to help inspire you to draw out all the great stuff that God has packed inside of you. It's like a Christmas present. Every day, be able to open up that faith package and say, what is it that God has in store for me? And we believe that every person that we interview on this show has a unique angle about the way God's worked inside of them. We want to draw that out and in some ways inspire you to get more creative and put your faith to work. And today's guest we have with us is the senior pastor at Emanuel Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. He's a former Christian talk show host, and he's the author of The Mythical Leader coming out this month in August. He is the founder of the Mustard Seed Ministry, where he consults with churches on organizational leadership. We have on the program with us Ron Edmondson. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate you taking the time to let me be on the show. Oh, hey, we are so delighted to have you on the program because we love the topic that we're going to dive into today. I think you're going to find that both Armin and I are pretty animated about the topic of leadership, especially as it applies to church. I know Armin has at least one or two bones to pick, and so do I, so maybe (laughs) maybe we can can pick them together, huh? How's that? Awesome. All right, now you pastor a church, a thriving church in Lexington, Kentucky, it hasn't always been that way for you, has it? You've been in the business world, right? That's correct. I'm 53, and I came into ministry at 38. And before that, it was just a varied business background, mostly self-employed as a business owner. But we did a, a variety of things. I started working when I was 12, and so I've, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in, in my life. And so you've been lost along the way, and at some point in time, you got this bold idea to go into into full-time professional ministry as a pastor. Is that right? Yeah. You know, it was probably something that God was trying to do in my life for a long time, and I resisted, mostly because I didn't want to. And and I still wake up some days and don't. You know, <laughs> I, I, I love the business world. I love being an entrepreneur and making things happen and building things. And it was a reluctant call. And just a long season of wrestling with God. But we had sold a business, went eight months looking for my next opportunity, and it just didn't seem to happen. And through that eight months of wrestling, God made it very clear the reason I was wrestling is that I was supposed to be working for him. And so it it took a long time. And others saw it, even including my wife, before I did. (laughs) But here we are. And 15, 15 years in, we're in our fourth church. And And God has just been very gracious to us. We've had some great opportunities. 
you know, I found if your wife is anything like mine, I'm guessing this is true with you too, Armin, as well, is that our wives have a pretty clear channel to God and sometimes yeah. uses them. Better to, better than me. I always tell my right. church, hey, if you want somebody to pray for you, why don't you ask her? <laughs> you know, when my wife and I are ever upset about something, she says to me, you know, I'm going to either ask God to change your heart or mine. You know? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's like, wow, okay, I'm, I've been put on notice. That's exactly right. Hey, I want to ask you, though, I want to do peel back that a little bit now. Because there are so many of our listeners who are trying to decide whether they should go into ministry full time, they sure. might be in the business world or whatever. But what was it, uh, you know, apart from your wife kind of giving you the notion that she thinks you ought to do that, what was finally the tipping point for you? How did you finally discern that that was it? I'm going to now redirect from going and finding another business opportunity to now I'm going to invest in, in leading a church. Obviously the money there. Had to be motivated for money, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the first year in ministry, we, we made one fourth of the income we had made the last year in, in the business world. And, but, and you're just getting started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, it was, it was almost, and we're Baptists, so we don't have prophetic moments, but it was almost a prophetic moment in that, and I just said to our church yesterday, God often uses repetition to get his point across to teach. And he had multiple people coming to me and talking to me, but I had one individual, a very wealthy businessman that was very instrumental in my life and, and, and I respected a great deal. And he sent me away to his cabin and it's good to have, I always tell ministry guys, if, you, if you're going to be in ministry, it's good to have people who own cabins because you're never going to own one. But, um, <laughs> so true. I feel that way about boats. <laughs> yeah, sent me away and said, just get alone, talk to God. And I went to his cabin and it was just a miserable experience. And I came home from that, ex- uh, from that and he said, what did God say to you? And I said, nothing. He said, are you sure he didn't say anything? And I said, well, not really. He said, well, what did he say? And I said, well, he said, trust me. And my friend said, is that not enough? And I said, well, it doesn't feed my family, if that's what you're saying. <laughs> Come on. And he said, Ron, let me ask you a question. And I just did a whole series on questions. Jesus asked the most powerful questions, and questions often cut through confusion and bring clarity. And he asked me a question. He said, Ron, how long have you been teaching the Bible? And at that point, I said, maybe 15 years or so, you know, Sunday school and Bible study and that sort of thing. He said, so, in other words, you want to teach people to walk by faith. You just don't want to have to do it yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, pretty much. You know, that's what I was hoping for. But, and that question, you know, really just kind of brought that clarity I was looking for. Okay, I, I, the biggest fear I had was how am I going to provide for my family and be in ministry? And my son is in ministry too. one of my sons. And he, he said, I once asked him when he was in the sixth grade, I don't remember this, but he had to make a decision about what school he was going to go to. And he was scared to go to one, but he thought it was the best school. And I asked him a question. I said, so what do you want to be the driving force of your life? Do you want it to be fear or faith? And he said, you know, I want it to be faith. I don't want it to be fear. He said, everything in me, you know, said, I want to do the I want to go, you know, where I think I'm supposed to go, even though I'm afraid to to go there. And I guess that's what happened for me. I was able to step across that line because it was fear, fear of failing in ministry. It was fear of not being able to provide for my family. And once I could step across that line and say, okay, I'm willing to walk by faith, the reality of what I was supposed to do was already there. It was just I couldn't make that decision because of the fear. 
so you got back, your friend confronted you with, with the ultimate question and that became, that crystallized it for you. Yeah. And that afternoon I surrendered to ministry, you know, just me and God. And then uh, that was a Friday afternoon. I didn't tell my wife until Sunday evening because I, you know, I'd come out of the business world. I knew what I needed to do. I needed to set down Monday and come up with a plan, at least a budget and, and how I'm going to organize. I started a 501c3 ministry and but I told her, I said, I got a job. She said, oh, really, what? And I said, well, it doesn't pay anything yet. You know, but, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I work for God now. And she said, well, I've known that for several months, but I was waiting for God to confirm it for you, mm. to you before I said anything. So how long and, from that point in time did you then get into a church position? Well, that's what's crazy about it, because that very week, as I'm planning a budget and I'm planning what I'm going to do with this ministry never really thinking I was going to be a pastor. I, I thought I would do more leadership development in the church world and that sort of thing. And a pastor from my past, he was my childhood pastor, called me on Wednesday of that week and said, hey, this church that used to be my first church has fallen on hard times. And I was at that point doing some interim work just to pay some bills, just filling in at a church here and, and there. He said, would you go help them for a longer season and help them turn around. And, you know, I just saw that as a tremendous answer. So went there and almost immediately within the next few weeks and, and committed a year to them and helped them kind of turn around out of a bad season. Oh, that's great. Well, you have not only helped that church, but hundreds of others. And now you've written a book that's coming out called The Mythical Leader. What inspired you to write a book about church leadership? You know, I think one of the things coming into church world later and having sat in the pews, so to speak, for a long time and participated in church leadership at at a lay level for, for years, and then stepping into the church world and not realizing, man, there's some things we just don't do very well. You know, leadership, we're, we're somewhat leadership poor in the church sometimes, whether, you know, there's pastors that, that are afraid to lead or there's pastors that that are not afraid to lead and they just run over everybody and, and, and just everything in between coming from my business experience. I was just like to be more effective and efficient, we could lead these churches better. And so the more I'm, I'm doing this over the last 15 years or so, I found myself investing in so many pastors and just keep answering some of the same questions and having some of the same conversations about leadership and the lack thereof. I had numerous people and I had a blog that, you know, that I put out there and I just kept having people say, you need to write some of this down. And so that's really how it evolved into that. What was the top three church leadership lessons or challenges? I mean, that you saw. Well, leading change and doing it where you, you can survive the ministry and still change to where you need to go. It just, you know, we have a lot of churches that are declining or plateaued and there are changes that need to be made in order to in order to go forward. So leading that change in a way that is healthy for the church, but also allows, you know, allows me to still be their pastor. Because whenever you change something, you know, you you got you got some that agree and some that don't and still being able to remain friends, so to speak, and yet lead that change. So leading change, I'd say, is is the biggest one. Staffing and just whether that's paid staff or volunteers is a huge part of that. I mean, 
you know, I had some of this obviously is personnel issues, so it's more confidential. And yet there were staff members that were just non-productive here. And churches in the, in the business world, that doesn't last. Mm-hmm. You get the right people on the team, and if they're no longer a fit, you have hard conversations or you just have, you come to agreements, hey, this is not going to work anymore. In the church, you know, that just perpetuates itself for years. And so making those staffing and even key volunteer decisions was a huge, huge part of the church leadership that I saw. And then I think, you know, the other thing that happens in the church is just the power struggles in the church are just overwhelming sometimes. You've got people who feel empowered and they lock themselves in. In some churches, it's families and others, it's, you know, one individual that maybe is a big giver or everybody thinks he's a big giver and sometimes not. But they they ingrain themselves and you can't get anything done in the church because you got a few people that are opposed to everything. And so I would say those are, are some of the bigger ones that, that I see the most. Those are, those are big challenges. I want to just ask you about this dynamic that I've heard. Maybe it's not a dynamic, maybe it's just a, a paradigm or a position. And I'm guessing you've heard it as well, but a number of times I will hear from people in the church or in an elder board meeting or whatever, that the church is not a business. So it has, you know, these business principles, these things that you're bringing from the business world don't belong in the church. Sure. Do you hear that? Oh, I hear it all the time. Okay. So so how do you respond to that? Well, in in fact, you know, that was an issue for me here coming to a, a more established church. I came out of church planting, which it didn't matter my background as much there. Coming into an established church that's been used to a by this point, I should have been a pastor, you know, 30 years or something and had a pedigree of, you know, my pastorates and all that. And so it was probably the biggest stumbling block for some of our people is that I did have a more business-like mindset. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I totally get that. The church is not a business, but it is an organization and it does involve people. And, you know, one of the best resources we have for how to lead people is the Bible. And what I would say is drop the title. If you don't want to call it leadership, if you don't want to use the business terms, call it anything you want. You know, we have business meetings. They call them that, you know, because numbers are involved. Yeah. You yeah, know, if, you if know, they didn't present a budget, it wouldn't be called a business meeting. <laughs> that, that, that's right. And and so when it comes in the financial area, we, we kind of lead like the business world does. But it's the other areas that they don't want to they don't want to do that as much. But I just always say, call it whatever you want. But can we be effective in how we how we guide and steer the church? I think that that is throughout the scriptures of you see men like Nehemiah that he was a tremendous leader. Moses was a tremendous leader. David was a tremendous leader. I love some of the stories of David and how he, uh, I've got one in 1 Samuel 23 that I go to and, and one in 2 Samuel 23 of before he was appointed king and after he was towards the end of his life. And he was just a tremendous leader. And of course, Jesus was the greatest leader of all. And so, you know, I think we can say, hey, we can't mix these two, or we can recognize the business principles that the business world have, nothing exists without God being involved in it. You know, he is the author of wisdom. He's the author of, of our minds and our creativity, and uh, now we can use that for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. I have to navigate those waters all the time, and, 
and I think our church is at the point now where they see how it, it's 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 a value. Now the the difference is, for me, I have to love people. You know, in in the business world, you don't have to love people to be successful. It's all about profit. Here, it's not all about profit. We use business principles. We use good leadership principles, but it's not all about profit. It's all about people. And if I can't wear that hat, then I don't, I don't have any business being in the ministry, obviously, because we are in a people business mm-hmm. and we're guiding people to become growing followers of Jesus Christ. We may use some business principles to help us do that better, but that is our purpose. And I'll, that's where I hang my hat. Mm. I hear you talking about the people business, and I want to go back to one of the things that you were talking about in terms of leadership challenges within the church versus staffing. Right. Obviously, there's principles that apply whether you're a church, nonprofit, or a business when it comes to staffing, and that's something I'm genuinely curious about for very selfish reasons. How do you know if a church is doing staffing right or wrong? One of the questions I frequently get is, how do you know if you're a healthy team or not, because I talk about being a healthy team and building healthy teams. And I always, you know, those are subjective questions. But I, I, I know when in your personal health, for example, I don't always know, you know, there may be something wrong with me and I go to the doctor and I find it out. But I know when I'm not healthy. Like when I wake up sick, I know that, you know, it's just, just, just know it. And I think there's something there's a subjective knowledge in a, in serving on a healthy team or in a, a church that's well-staffed or, or not. So some of it is just subjective. You just know. I mean, if people don't like showing up at work, you know they don't. If people enjoy working together, you know that they do. I mean, you, you, just, you just do. You, you go home tonight, and you'll, you'll know if your marriage is going well by the, by the atmosphere of the home, you know. But I think there are benchmarks. For instance, one of the benchmarks for me just recently is we've had some of our staff who have received significant job offers at other churches or other ministries, and they turned them down to stay here because they didn't want to give up what we have now. And so while it's subjective to know if we're staffing well or not, I can look at at that and say, okay, they still want to be here and be a part of that. We've got something that's working here. They had other opportunities. The other thing that I look at is we are, and I think some of this has to do with starting with a good base, and that's where you use good business principles or or principles that the business world would use, rather. We operate over, we have this vision. Obviously, our mission is given to us by Jesus, and then we have this vision as a church to lead growing followers of Jesus and nurture them in their faith. That's our kind of mission statement. And Jesus told us to go and make disciples. So we know that. That's already defined for us. But then underneath that, we operate with a set of goals and objectives that are quarterly and then annually based on all of our staff. And when those are in place, I can know if we're staffed well and if our staff is is being productive by whether we're meeting those goals and objectives. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. If I don't have those parameters set up in advance of this is what it takes for you to be successful in your work. This is what it takes for me to be successful in my work. If I don't have some of those parameters and some of those clearly spelled out, then how do I know if I'm being effective or not? You know, so you've got to have some measurables there that help determine whether your, your staff is functioning correctly. That's good. 
This is the Bold Idea Podcast. I mean, this is a special episode in my heart because not only the topic, but we have the generosity of our listeners that are making this possible. That's my favorite sponsorship so far. If we could get our podcast sponsored by our listeners every time, it would make my day because there isn't a greater compliment that we could possibly receive than that. Oh, totally. And, you know, we love our business sponsors as well. But right. there's something when you as an individual decide, hey, I'm going to invest in this because I'm getting something from it. That's right. And this is a passion project for us. It's not like we get paid for this. So anytime we see people investing in us, it means the absolute world to us. So thank you so much for doing this. And if you want to see this continue to happen, please just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate and make your investment there. And this is a tax deductible contribution. (laughs) So... In your book, you talk about the distinction between leadership and management. Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, and I do always get pushed back on this, too, because some people say the same thing. And But, you know, I'm a terrible manager. I'm an average leader, perhaps, but I'm a terrible manager. But leadership is, is basically taking you somewhere you want to go, but you aren't sure how to get there. So it's moving people towards something in the future, some unknown, some stretch for you. If you're not going somewhere, you don't need a leader. You can have a manager. And we need both. We need great managers. We need great leaders. But managing is, I mean, there's not a better word than what it, than the word itself. It's managing current structures and systems. Now, there's improvement within that, and, and there's leadership within that, and there's management within leadership. But the whole principle of management is, is making what you have already work and work well. Leadership is taking you somewhere you aren't currently. And that's a simplified definition of that. In working with people over the years, I've really realized you're wired towards one or the other, not both. Hmm. And coming to that reality was very difficult for me. And I cannot manage this church. I mean, I just simply can't. I can lead and I can take us somewhere. I've always got a new idea. I've always got a bright idea. I've always got some stretch for us or where I think we can go. But when it comes to the day-to-day management of things, man, I just burn out. I'm not effective. I aggravate people. It's just, it's very frustrating for me to be the manager. I think that's a good distinction because it's freeing in a way to realize that you don't have to do everything and it's better to bring people along that, that can, you know, put the systems in place and manage the resources in a way that you probably are not as gifted to do if you're a leader. That's right. Yeah. So let me, let me ask this, what what roles, because everything has a pastoral title in churches. You're the pastor of finance, pastor of admin, pastor of paper, pastor of everything. Which roles do you, I don't know. I'm just being (laughs) facetious, but what roles within the church do you see that are more managerial and what roles do you see that are more leadership? Well, and you mentioned some of those, and I, I think that could that could vary by church also, actually. But for us, you know, we have a pastor of administration, and he needs to be very managerial. And again, there's elements of the, both of those in both jobs. Everybody has elements of leadership. Everybody has elements of management. But in our church, for example, we have a pastor of administration. He's very managerial. He manages the current systems and structures. And to have to sit and do what he does would wear me out. 
We also have two executive pastors, and one of them here, and this is relatively new because one just came, and this was we had to get to the church to the point where we could afford the next one. So one focuses more, would be more on the leadership side, and the other more on the managerial side. Current day-to-day operations versus future, where are we going next? Mm-hmm. And so we've divided ourselves out that way. And within that, it really depends on finding out who the people are, how they're wired, and then fitting them in their individual roles with how they best function. For example, I'll give you an example. Our discipleship pastor, which leads our Bible studies, our Sunday schools, all those sort of things, he's very managerial, and he's excellent at it probably one of the better ones I know, but he's not, this is not a criticism. He's not necessarily the leader type because he doesn't like change very much. You know, he likes efficiency. He likes to do things well, but he doesn't necessarily embrace change. So I have to lead him because we still need change in that area. I have to lead him and others on our staff have to work with him to lead him to, to be more visionary, to see what's next. That's, that's more the, what the leader does. Mm-hmm. We could have put somebody in that position who is very much a leader, and they're always thinking what's next and coming up with new ways of doing discipleship and Bible studies. Had we done that, we'd also had to come alongside them and help manage current systems because they still have to be managed. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It, does. it does. Your book, The Mythical Leader, The Seven Myths of Leadership, is coming out this month. Briefly, tell us what are the seven myths of leadership? Well, see if I can ramble them off. The first one is a position does not make you a leader. Mm. And basically, a lot of people, and I tell a story in the beginning of how I came to that myself, of just realizing, hey, just because I have a position does not mean people are going to follow me. You know, I don't know if I'll get these in the right order. If I'm not hearing anyone complain, everyone must be happy. Mm. That's a myth. Mm -hmm. And that's one that I have to wrestle with myself every day. And, uh, you know, there is an undertone, and this is probably more so in the church. I mean, it, it's true in the business world also. In the church, it actually matters because everybody has a voice. The third one is I can lead everyone the same way. And that goes back to what we talked about with that discipleship pastor. He needs a different leadership style than somebody who is a, more towards leadership rather than mm-hmm. management. Mm-hmm. Leadership and management are not the same thing. We mentioned that one. Being a leader makes you popular. You know, sometimes leading makes you very unpopular, mm-hmm. and that's that is a a paradigm shift. And and you know, especially with younger leaders when they come into it and they just assume, okay, they're going to like me because of uh, you know who I am, and and it's just not always true. The sixth one: leaders must be extroverted, charismatics, mm. and I get that pushback too. Can I really be introverted? And I'm an introverted person. Can I be introverted and lead a large church? But, you know, some, and here's one of the strange dynamics that I know. Most of the larger churches that I'm aware of have introverted pastors. For it's really sure. bizarre. The last one is leaders accomplished by controlling others. And again, you know, it's more about empowering people and delegating than it is about what you control. And the more I control, the less in control I am. And especially, and that's even more so in a faith-based organization, you know, but I mean, it's obviously a business principle too, but in a faith-based organization, you know, if Hebrews says without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
And so if I've got all this under control, I don't know how pleasing to God I am based on Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were going to give counsel to a young leader entering into maybe a ministry position as you have, which which of these myths are most important for them to really grab a hold of and understand? You know, I think all of them are, but I, I guess if I had to say the one would be the first one, the position makes one a leader as a myth, because that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, leadership is more about building your own credibility and integrity and protecting your integrity and and protecting your character and being somebody people can follow. Uh, that's more important than having a title or having authority or having responsibility. If you can't get people to follow you because of who you are and who they see you to be and trust you to be, you're just not going to be very effective in leadership. It's just the bottom line. Yeah. You know, in the and again, in the business world, it'll work for a while. You can have a title and tell everybody what to do. I don't even think it works in the business world anymore, especially with a newer generation. You know, people just, they just won't live under that anymore. And so I, I would say that's probably the one I would, I would go to first. Well, this is the Bold Idea Podcast, and you have taken some bold ideas. You shared one earlier about just going into the pastorate. And you've got this new book coming out about all the leadership principles that you've been applying and learning as you've made your way through the business and church world. What is your next bold idea? Well, we are living it right now. We are leading our church right now into some very major changes going forward in regard to services and opportunities that we have. And I told our church yesterday, you know, for about 18 months, we've been here five years, about 18 months, we've kind of coasted and not coasted in a sense we haven't we've grown a little bit we've still done some things but we've really been in a season of wait for what we sensed god was doing next and really trying to shore up four areas discipleship prayer missional living and evangelism and we worked on those the last 18 months but it's been an easier season and the next season we are moving out into some new areas and then in the midst of that change and we already have we've been planning for six months we had a church come up to us uh, about six weeks ago and say basically they want to they want to become a part of us and just hand us their building to Mm. multi-site and that's going on we're going to officially have that voted on i mean I'm, i'm reasonably sure it's going to take place in the next two weeks. And so in the midst of enormous change already, we're taking on this other campus. I told our church yesterday, just what I said earlier, you you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We're going to be able to please God over the next couple of seasons as we step out in just some huge new areas. That sounds very exciting. And do I understand right you're pursuing a doctorate? I am, yeah because I need one more degree. I have two masters <laughs> and, you know, and it's not a requirement by any means. I mean, but I'm the first pastor this church has had. It's a, it is a, a more historic established church. First pastor not to have a doctorate here. And, you know, again, I don't have to have it, but while I'm here and while I'm leading the, the church, I believe, and this is not in the book, but I, it's a principle I certainly believe, if I'm not growing personally, you know, I can't lead anybody else to grow. And so this is just another way for me to grow. Yeah, love that. Love that. Well, how can our listeners get in contact with you or learn more about what you're doing? 
Everywhere I'm online, it's just simply my name, Ron Edmondson. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and my blog, all just Ron Edmondson. And that's E-D-M-O-N-D-S-O-N. And if you Google that, you'll find all those links to, to that. But my blog is ronedmondson.com and all the links are on there as well. All right. Well, Ron, thanks so much for being a part of the Bold Idea podcast. So glad to have you on the program. Well, I appreciate you guys and what you're doing, too. I mean, kingdom building, and I think podcasting is one way we're seeing that happen. So thanks for what you're doing in the kingdom. Glad to have you. Thank you, Ron. All right, Armin, that was Ron Edmondson. Let's peel back a little bit of that conversation. What was your favorite part of the conversation? Oh, gosh, you know, the part that I identified the most with was right at the very beginning, you know, really where he's talking about being in the business world and just kind of wondering, teaching and, and leading and, yeah. you know, kind of like he was describing my life. I've <laughs> even had the cabin experiences, but I haven't quite had the the answer I got from God was, no, I want you to stay where you are, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and do what you're doing in the business world. In fact, you know, he gave me a couple of churches to lead just to prove to me that that's what <laughs> That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm supposed to do, you know? So uh, God bless him that God called him into a different path, but I could really identify with that. Yeah, I could too. The the part that stuck out to me the most is, well, I shouldn't say it the most, but the thing that really resonated with me is when that business leader told him, so do you just want to talk about trusting God, but not actually do it yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason that resonated with me is when I started speaking, I remember one time I went and talked about something just because that was the topic I was supposed to talk about at whatever event or church or whatever it was, right? So I created a message around this topic or theme and I delivered it and I went home and everyone, I I got praises for it, right? That made me feel like absolute garbage. And I went home and I processed it and I tried to figure out why do I feel like garbage? But I realized there's nothing about it that made me feel good because I do not apply what I just talked about. Mm. Right. Like my, my faith isn't what I just discussed my what, whatever it was. It just was not me. And, and that was the day I said, I will never, ever talk about anything again unless it's something I am personally going mm. through, personally came out of or personally can like give a testimony. Wow. Of, right. Yeah. And that was a life altering moment for me. Well, that'll take your game. Anybody's game up to a, another level. Mm hmm. You know, when his friend said that to him and he relayed that, it reminded me of Steve Jobs' sugar water quote, right? What? No, I don't know. Oh, well, he was recruiting John Scully away from Pepsi to run Apple. And the big thing that he said to John after several times of trying to recruit him away, he says, John, let me put it this way. Do you want to change the world or sell sugar water the rest of your life? <laughs> and he said that was the question that, that, that shifted his thinking, right? right. And, and, and it's great to have people in your life who will ask you the challenging shift your thinking questions like his friend did. Yeah. Right. And what I enjoyed about the story is that he, he dealt with that resistance. And sometimes we do have that kind of resistance. There's this nagging that we have that's going on inside of us and we just need a blessed person to come in our lives and just give us a swift kick with a good question to make us aware of it 
Yeah. And his wife knew it all along, you know, so <laughs> go figure. And she kept it to herself and waited. I love well, that. you know, my like, wife does that. I, mine too, you know, and like I said in the show, mine says, I'm going to pray that God changes my mind about this or yours. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And the more, the longer she keeps praying, I know she's praying that my mind will get changed <laughs> or it's more likely that mine will be the one that gets changed. Yeah, that is usually the way it goes. But I love the fact that once he had that conviction that that was what he needed to do, then he didn't just sit and wait for opportunities to come to him because well in fact they did but he he actually set apart he said what i learned in the business world is you just sit down you start putting a plan in place and that monday morning he he got to it wow and i like that because if we've got a bold idea just because god's leading us to something doesn't mean that there isn't work for us to do we need to take it every bit as serious as if it's just something that depends entirely upon us even though it depends entirely upon god Mm. That's good. And that's still faith. Right. You know, that's that's acting out what God has entrusted in you. In fact, I would call it faith. I would call it also stewardship because really believing that God has equipped us to do the very thing that he's calling us to do. You know, another piece that stood out to me beyond his transformation, I mean, just into that new role was the distinction he made between management and leadership. Yes. And I thought that that's really, really good to understand that distinction because I think oftentimes Leadership, I guess, has such a, a vogue name, and management kind of has a little less vogueness about it, I think. You know, you yeah. want to be a manager or a leader? Take your pick. You know, which do you want to do? Be a manager or a leader? And one kind of, I mean, I manager grew up in a is culture. Like a demotion in it, our culture, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the cultural experience I had in the corporate world was managers are people that you don't want to be. Leaders are people that you want to be. You want to be the leader, right. not the manager. So there's that kind of sense to it. But I really appreciate it. And as he was talking about this, I appreciate that distinction because I remembered someone who was really good at management and not good at leadership. And at Cray, she purposefully chose not to lead people, but to manage systems. Hmm. And I thought that that was really smart of her to do that, even though the economic consequences of her action wasn't as great because, of course, you reward leaders, not necessarily managers. But what she did was really indicative of self-awareness. And I think it actually contributed to the success of the organization more than if she tried to get caught up in this mystique that a leader is somehow uh, better equipped or a better position than a manager. And I think both are needed. So I thought that was a really interesting and good distinction to have. Right. Especially now that we're talking about it. I mean, that has been my experience. I think I've even talked about it in that sense that somehow if you're a bad leader, then you're a manager. And it's good to break that up and say, no, just because God gifted someone differently doesn't make them lesser or someone who is a leader better. It's just different giftings. and Yeah, and I think he, I think he's right that we all have pieces of each. I mean, you can't say, oh, I'm not going to do that because I'm a leader, not a manager. Right. You know? <laughs> right. But I think we all have things that we have to do that are paying attention to systems and things. But I, I do like the fact that he was distinguishing between those who really know how to work and influence people versus those who know better how to influence systems. Yeah. I think those are, those are two different kinds of skill sets or proclivities, if you will. I agree. Here's this though. Here's the part that I was expecting to get a little more from you. I didn't, I don't know if I necessarily heard it, but there was the statement made, the church is not a business right? Mm-hmm, that you, mm-hmm. you threw to him and we got what he said, but mm-hmm. I'm curious what your thoughts are, because this is something that you've talked quite a bit about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I take a little bit of a different position than he does about it, because, you know, I think that the the church 
and this is a little bit of the challenge I've seen with leadership in the church, and, and he mentioned this. We didn't get a chance to dive into it, but I've seen so often where we do let people stay on in church positions that ought not to stay on. And I think part of that is because, you know, we sense that there's this family dynamic and we want to be loving and we want to be all these things in a church. But I think that there are some uh, ways in which that we do lose sight of what we're really trying to accomplish. And I have run into that statement, the church is not a business, more often than I care to realize. And I think maybe there's something inside of me that rises up and says, oh, wait a minute. I think that there's a lot more that we have in common than we don't have in common. Mm -hmm. Go figure this out. Both have missions, right? right? They're both organizations. And he did say, you know, church is an organization. Well, to me, a business is an organization. And right. look at what they both have in common. They both have mission in common. In other words, we're trying to accomplish something. In the business world, you're trying to accomplish a profit. That profit is measured in dollars. Right. But I would say, what is it profit for a man to gain his life but lose his soul in the church world, our profit is in souls, in saving people, and in bringing them into a knowledge of who Christ is. Mm. And to me, we ought to have that same ferocious energy for gaining that kind of profit in a church and that mm. kind of discipleship, because we are to go and make disciples. Now, how do we do that? Mm. You know, And you just can't do it passively. And this is the challenge I see with a lot of churches in terms of leadership. It seems to be very passive. It mm. seems to be there, there's just this sense that, well, we're just going to go down the lazy river. Right. And I really don't like lazy river leadership. You know, I'm not a very big <laughs> fan of that. And maybe that's, you know, me operating more out of the flesh. I don't know. But I do believe that there's this stewardship commitment that God gives us. I, I look at the Apostle Paul and I don't see any lazy river behavior in him at all. Yeah. You know, he was very much led by the spirit, but also very much a robust leader of right. men. And and I just don't see an inconsistency there. I don't see a problem saying the church is in the business of, right? you know, as opposed to saying the church is not a business. But I mean, I get where he's coming from and I get the sensitivities there. I just don't share them. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I agree with you. I, I, I think it is a good approach. I think a lot of times it's, comes down to just arguing over words and we should use this term instead of that term and but at the end of the day there's more similarities than there's differences yeah see i'm a marketing guy and if i use the word marketing in a church man i'll tell you it raises people's weirdnesses yeah and i'm like but wait a minute we're going to use the same tools we're going to use the same thing that other business people do and yet somehow there's certain words that we have to be afraid of right you know, I'm like, I don't understand that. Yeah, it. of course. You've got, you've been, you become, you know, evil, bring this evil stuff into the church. I just think we need to chill out about that in one way about the, the terminology. And I think we need to engage in a really powerful way because this mission is the most important mission yeah. that any organization could have. Right. You know, one of the biggest differences I see between the church and the business world though, is in the church. And this is one of his myths. He said, if you don't hear any complaints that everybody must be happy. Oh, that's, that's good, myth, isn't it? Right? In the church world, at least my experience has been, you usually don't hear any complaints because it's a kind of an anti-conflict environment. Yeah. 
And if you do hear, or by the time you hear it... Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> it's already blown out of proportion, and you don't even know what you're You can maybe with. rewrite that, Beth. If I'm not hearing anyone complain, they've already figured out how to get rid of me. Yes! <laughs> it's so good. Yes. Yes, 100%. Oh, it's just back to that power struggle and all the rest. Right. right. I mean, th- I've been reading through this book, and, and it's just so well thought through in terms of these are the kinds of things that come up in church leadership principles, but it's also true in non-church situations as well. So if you are a leader, an aspiring leader, this is a good book to get your hands on. Ron Edmondson's The Mythical Leader, and it is out this month, August. So listen, anything else, Armin, from our conversation that we should unpack? You know what I I really wanted to, I I have nothing else to unpack. Well, I have more to unpack, but I'm not going to because we're out of time. But I I really wanted to get into the whole staffing thing more. No, I know you could. I could see your ah. ish in the <laughs> I was like, tell me what you think about the executive pastor role. I yeah. To pull on that thread yeah, so right. Bad. I'm sure you do. Yeah. 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 Like you said, for very selfish reasons. But that, you know what? That re- remark just reminded me that I hope you as a listener are getting as much out of these conversations as we are. And for me to have a front row seat to talk to these guests week after week is just an amazing way to fuel my own energy in terms of the things that I'm pursuing. And I hope that you find that to be true for you as well. And if you do, would you let us know? Visit our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash 34 for this particular show. We'd love for you to leave a comment there. And of course, we'd love to hear from you on our show line, 612-568-IDEA or 612-568-4332. We just love to receive reviews on the show on iTunes because it helps us get the word out about the show. Of course, nothing helps better than you telling your friends about us. And we always appreciate that as well. Thanks for the love that you guys share with us, uh, the encouraging comments that we get from you all and the questions and things that come our way. Look forward to visiting again with you next week. And so until then, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. Saying adieu and God bless you. Go get them. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.